friends, welcome to Live Boldly with Sarah Schulten Kranz, a survivor, thriver, adventurer, and believer in all things possible. My mission is to guide others to live their life boldly, regardless of circumstances. I believe we all have the power to overcome and lead joy-filled, happy lives. Recorded from the trail or in my office, I share inspiring stories from everyday people because we all deserve to be heard. You will also hear from handpicked professionals ready to guide you beside me. Are you ready? Let's do this. Welcome to another episode of Live Boldly with Sarah Schulting Krams. So you guys, my book launched last week and I am over the moon excited and happy about what has transpired over these last seven days, including we did get a number one new release tag through Amazon on one of the categories. So it's really exciting. Thank you for, to all of you, really, I truly want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you for spreading the message of this book, for sharing it on social media, for reaching out to me, congratulating me, sending me messages through text and uh, Instagram, Facebook. I could not do this without all of you as well. And so the more that we continue to share this book and share our stories, the more we continue to heal this world. It is so vital, especially right now with the need for communication and connection and community. I could not be more excited for what we are all doing together collectively as a whole. So let's talk about Robert Mack. Robert Mack is my guest today. Robert is an Ivy League educated positive psychology expert, celebrity happiness coach, executive coach, and author. He is one of the world's leading experts on the relationship between happiness and success. Robert helps individuals and organizations achieve an an energizing balance of authentic personal happiness and effortless professional success based on time-tested, face-valid, empirical data and timeless transcendental wisdom. Robert's work has been endorsed by Oprah, Vanessa Williams, and many others, and he has been a regularly featured guest expert on Good Morning America, The Today Show, Access Hollywood, E-Network's own, and KTLA, and in magazines like GQ, Self, Health, Cosmopolitan, and Glamour. Robert's first book, Happiness from the Inside Out, The Art and Science of Fulfillment, a celebrity endorsed and critically acclaimed. Robert is also going to be a guest expert in my 12-month program called The Trail, a community for truth, inspiration, hope, and healing. That will be released um, probably in the next few weeks, so please look out for that. I could not be more excited about having Robert on. I'm thrilled. It is a very powerful podcast. Before I start this with you, I do want to also say we currently have two spots remaining for our December Grand Canyon retreat and four spots remaining for, um, did I say December? I did. (laughs) We have two spots remaining for our December Grand Canyon transformational retreat and four spots remaining coming up in January. So if either one of those would have interest to you, please reach out to me, send me a message, send me an email, sarah at sarahsholtonkranz.com. Let's schedule a one-on-one call with you and see if it's the right fit. Enjoy this podcast episode. Go grab your journal, a pen, your favorite cup of drink. If you can listen to this outside, as I always say, that's best. Um, And really do me a favor, go in, rate, review my podcast episodes, um, subscribe, share, and let's get continue to get the word out. I love all of you. Thank you. And have a wonderful, wonderful remainder of your day. Hello, Rob Mack. 
Okay, so um, I finally had to press record because you and I are sitting here jamming and I'm like, okay, <laughs> like we need to just, just press record and start the conversation because I already know. You know when you're like standing at the edge of a cliff and you're like, oh, this is going to be good. I just okay. know, like I know, like I know, like I know. My clients use that term now because I say it all the time. <laughs> this is going to be good. So um, all of you listeners, grab your journal because I already say that a thousand times over. Grab your journal because this is, there's going to be a lot of insight in this one. I know it. So. Right, I, I, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to know, um, I always start with like, what is your story? Like, who are you? If you were to just present yourself to somebody, um, but I don't want the face Rob. Like I want the internal Rob, like the Rob that comes from the heart and the soul and the inner space, yeah. not the exterior. So yeah. I want you just to go dive in, tell me a little bit about yourself yeah. and um, let's start. So that inner Rob, impossible to describe or define, mm -hmm. I think all self-description, all self-definition at that level is only self-limitation, right? That, that being said, what I will say is that my journey started with unhappiness. <laughs> I was oh. the most depressed person you could probably ever imagine. I was as depressed as anybody I've ever met from the age of about four or five. I mean, I remember being depressed as my first kind of memory, and I always thought I'd grow out of that. Sarah, you know, you think, oh, I'll, I'll eventually do well, maybe athletically or academically or socially, or I'll make some money eventually. And, you know, as you get older, you begin to see through that. Mm -hmm. And very slowly for me. Um, so this depression that I felt, you know, as a young boy only got worse and it deepened and it became a darker and darker sort of life for me. So I got to a place where I was seriously and consistently contemplating suicide and killing myself dozens of times a day. I really sort of thought about that more than anything else in my life. Got to a place where I felt like I was out of options. You know, I had done some things. I'd accomplished some things. I was salutatorian of my high school class. I was also most shy of my high school class. So I was wow. just paralyzed by anxiety and insecurity. Went on to get a good consulting job, make good money, had a beautiful girlfriend, did all the things. And I was as miserable as you could possibly be. So I decided to do some research on the means and methods to kill yourself. I decided that a lot of the means and methods were too violent um, and a lot of the other ones I didn't have access to. So I decided I would slit my wrist. Wow. So I went to the kitchen, you know, got a kitchen knife and, uh, you know, dug into my wrist. And I still have the test marks to this day. You can't really see in the screen, but something very strange happened at that moment though. You know, um, without, Anything objectively in my life conditions and circumstances changing, something subjectively on the inside changed at least for a few moments. You know, I felt this inexplicable peace mm. and uh, limitless love and this indescribable joy kind of wash over me. And it was very odd. You do not predict that or expect that when you're about to kill yourself. You know, so in that moment, I decided I was going to postpone this suicide thing. Um, it was only for an hour though. Like I only committed to an hour, okay? So even at that point, that seemed like a tall order. I mean, it felt almost ambitious. I wasn't committed even to the full hour. But in that hour, I began to do a little research and I discovered a lot in that hour. But that hour of postponing that suicide led into several hours and now I look back and it's been two decades and I've not stopped doing the research. I've not stopped applying what I've learned. It was for a very long time, like 
two steps forward and like 20 back. Mm-hmm. I continued to experience the suicidal ideation throughout that rest of that year, at least, and probably through a little bit the next year. Um, but eventually, slowly but surely, began to dig myself out of this hole. I am absolutely, um, I'm absolutely, I'm, I'm sitting here listening to you and actually seeing some of me within you. And the reason why is because I've had that, I had that once and I talked about it in the book where I was got to that place and it was so deep and so dark that I just went, you know what? I don't know if I can survive this. And, um, I had kids. So for me, it was going straight to my children and thinking, I can't have them not have me because there was so much that was untrue in their life that they had just found out. And so I'm so happy you're here. That's actually the very first thing that I want to say. I'm so happy. You have the best smile, by the way. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's so easy to smile at you, though, Sarah. Like, you know, it's just so easy. It's like almost, it'd be way harder to not smile. So I appreciate that. I receive that. But that is a perfect reflection of the love and the light that I feel from well, you. you are. Like, you are such love and, like, you're such love and light. I mean, I'm sitting here, and, and, and it's too bad that everybody can't see the screen right now. They will see your picture. Um, but you are such love and light, which... Tell me, I want to go back to that moment that you had that hit because I've had that hit many, many times and I will share some of them here because I've never actually even talked about it. Um, So when you had that hit, what was the washing over? What was that? I refer to it now as divine intervention, but Mm -hmm. I had a real conflict ridden relationship with God and the divine. This is where I'm going with this. This is exactly where I'm going with this. It's it's exactly where I'm going with this. Yeah. So what was the divine intervention? Um, What do you think it was? What do you, not even think. I don't want you to like go from your head. I want you to go from your heart. What does your heart tell you? No, it was just silence. Okay. For for, for Mm -hmm. one moment in time, I wasn't lost in discursive thought. I wasn't lost in plotting, planning, scripting, worrying, fearing, desiring. I was just fully drenched and dripping with presence. Mm-hmm. Like, and that presence was perfect peace. Yes, that's exactly what I was that's exactly what I was tapping into. What I'm imagining is you're going back to that moment and feeling absolute peace from within. And it's interesting because I always talk to people about this. When I work with people, I tell them, I'm like, we have to get out of your head because we live in our head. And it's that ruminating thought of you know, I'm not good enough. I shouldn't be doing that. This, who am I? I'm, I'm in constant struggle with this person that I don't believe I am, but I am. And it, it, it's just, or with society, like we're in constant struggle with society. And so I always tell people, go, you have to drop into your heart because that's where you will ultimately find love and peace for self. And so it's interesting that you had that in that moment. It was just like this, uh, that's what I'm, that's what I'm going back. That's what I'm feeling from you. Powerful. I've, I've, so powerful. And it's the, was it like a, I would just want to, was it like a washing over of just um, like, were you feeling, explain the feeling to me. Total relief. It was, mm-hmm. I, the, the simplest way to put it is total relief, a deep abiding experience and sense that all is well. Mm. Acceptance that, of self. It was a little uh, like yeah, yeah, and, and and I would even I would go further than that and say no. You said I mean that's perfect, and the other way to say it might also be perfect abidance in the self, um, um, and maybe even you know this is going to get a little religious, but it's like, it's like no. 
depiction of the self. Like there was a, there was a, there was a, certainly like a, almost a, almost a seeing through this illusory self mm-hmm. that was mind made and man made. So it was seeing through this idea that we're just a body, that we're just a mind. It was kind of, and it wasn't that, and even that, all that sounds too abstract and esoteric. It was simply just deep abiding peace. Yeah. You know, and, um, and I wasn't self-conscious. I wasn't thinking about the world. I wasn't thinking about anything. I was just swimming in it. You know, I was just mm-hmm. swimming in that serenity and that deep knowing that all is well. The reason I want to touch on this, that's the reason that I'm staying here is because what you experienced is what very few people have tapped into. And the, no, the, re, the reason I'm also saying that so many people have not experienced is because it's not that we don't experience it. It's that we're not aware at the time and the moment that we are experiencing it. Oh, and so, right? It runs right now. You are hitting home runs. <laughs> well, because I've been there. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and the, in, the, reason that I, I, the reason that I always tap into this with people too is because I, I refer to them as peace moments. Okay, what you experienced, what I refer to with my clients, for example, are peace moments. And it's always interesting to me how many people say, I've never had a peace moment. But if they were allowing themselves to tap into their heart and their soul and who they literally are, not in our head, not in our head, but in our mind, not in our mind, but in our heart and soul, that's where we can actually step into that place of who am I outside of these years and years and years and years and years of pain. That's right. That's right. Because what we identify when, when we when we when we mentally go there over and over and over, we begin to identify ourselves with that. Where this is how I'm supposed to quote unquote be or do, and we're not. Our stories are just our stories, right? And like our experiences are just our experiences. You, you nailed it. I mean, it's the difference between, like, you know, there's an expression: the map is not the territory, mm-hmm. you know, or the finger pointing to the moon is not the moon. Right, we get we get lost up in these concepts and these ideas and language, and we get also lost up in um, lots of ideas about who we are and who we think we are and who we think other people think we are. Society tells us should be all this, you know, all this nonsense, and um, it's just mind stuff, you know. And it's sort of like being in a movie theater, looking at a movie or watching a movie, where images projected on the screen, and then getting completely lost in the movie. And, you know, we all do it for fun for a little bit of time. But if you ever get too lost in the movie, all you got to do is hit pause or you're going to do a step out of the movie theater. And all of a sudden you have that peace again that you had before you entered the horror flick or before you entered the sad movie or whatever it is. And so I kind of think of dropping into the heart, dropping from the mind to the heart as that, as sort of stepping out of this illusory, ephemeral world that we think is so real into a deeper reality where nothing's ever wrong, nothing ever needs fixed. There is no healing to be done because illness doesn't exist. It's all that stuff, you know, and it sounds so like, yeah, yeah, you know, yada, yada. But the truth is, is that, <laughs> yeah, it sounds so woo-woo, but if you just step into it. And the funny thing is, that's why we love so much of life. I mean, why we love flow state experiences. I've always been an athlete, so I love sports. And part of the reason I love sports so much is that flow state Yes. Experience where there's a loss of time consciousness, a loss of self-consciousness. You're tapped in, tuned in, turned on. You're so absorbed, consumed, and engaged with what you're doing, you have no time to evaluate how you're doing. Exactly. You know? So we all have moments like that. You know, whether you play sports, you're creative, you're gardening, you know, an intimate moment with a, you know, a, a lover. You know, all that stuff is really just 
an opportunity for you to drop deeper into your heart. Yeah. It's when I started running my retreats down in the Grand Canyon, I had some of the people that worked down there. They were like, what is this voodoo? And I'm just going to cuss because what is this voodoo shit that you keep doing down here that people are like crying and then they're laughing and then you're having fun and then they're changing. Like what's going on here? And I had to laugh because I've been doing these for a while now. And I had to laugh because you know, at first I was like, whoa, you know, and now I just, I just, I am just that mainstream human being doing what I know and love doing. And, um, the more, the beauty of being in this state is that the more it's like a drug, you're like, the more that I'm here, the more I want to continue to live in this space because it's so much fun. I mean, I'm all about fun. So you you totally nailed it. Like, I think, you know, the one thing I discovered like you is that when you just have a taste of it and we all have tastes, taste of it, but we're not, like you said, aware, really aware of it. Right. But when you're consistently aware of these, we'll call them experiences, but it's really the underlying reality mm-hmm. of ourselves and our lives. But when you experience it consciously and intentionally with awareness, it suddenly allows you to divest or at least detach yourself from the conditions and circumstances of your life, which may not always be so great, right? Or other times they're so great, you want to repeat them over and over and over again, and that becomes its own thing. And so you're right, you do become sort of more deeply identified or attached to this deeper experience of what I'll simply call true happiness or true peace or true love. And once you've had that taste, you kind of want to spend all your time there. <laughs> Isn't it great? <laughs> yeah, it is. It's so great. How do you do this on a daily basis? I'm just curious. How do you tap into this? Um, because you clearly do. You shine like I just see the white light coming straight out of you, my friend. Like you're just like shining. So how do you? How do you? How do you live this? Yeah. Oh, that's just my selfie ring. <laughs> just kidding. This guy will receive that. Thank you. Um, you know. So I would say that you know, I have a practice called practicing the presence. Okay, and you know, the, the one thing I've discovered is that like if you study almost anything and you go far, far enough with it, whether it's science or spirituality or physics or whatever, any religion, if you go far enough with it, you find that it all comes back to the same place. They all end up in the same place. You know, that's really the study of what, that's what the mystics do, right? Essentially. So for me, practicing the presence, we might call that here in say the West. In the East, it might be called self-inquiry or self-abiding. So somebody else might call it meditation. Somebody else might call it contemplative you know prayer or whatever but the simple idea is that i simply put more of my focus and attention on this peaceful aliveness that's always inside of me in fact always is me i put more attention focus and awareness on that than i do whatever it is else going on around me or whoever is around me you know so i have my part of my attention there but most of my attention is still focused inside in this place it's a placeless place of peaceful aliveness. And so I call practicing the presence. Sometimes I call that peaceful aliveness just life. Sometimes I call it God. Sometimes I call it source. You can call it anything you want to. But the point isn't to call it something as much as to sort of call on it or at least to spend your time commuting with it. When I started out, it was just what I I would just simply call it micro meditation. It was just Mm -hmm. one breath I would take throughout the day as often as I could remember with the only goal of consciously enjoying that breath like it was the last breath I would ever get or take on this planet. It was just like, you know, rock. You might be dead in the very next moment. And so I would just like kind of squeeze as much juicy joy out of this one breath 
as humanly possible. Not, be, not to make my life better, not to get to some future moment, just because it might be the last moment and breath I get. Mm-hmm. So it's like a gratitude breath. It is. It is. I mean, that's exactly what flows through. What comes yeah. through there is gratitude and love. And even when it's not, um, even if you're having a tough day and you do it, and it doesn't feel like gratitude right away, it definitely feels like relief. You yeah. know, so it's like pizza. It's always good no matter how bad it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, when I'm on my space to go to is obviously I, I go outdoors. I'm a nature girl. And so just sitting there and witnessing um, a spider weave a web you know, or looking up at the clouds and just realizing that there is this, there are these puffy things that are being created out of, I mean, they come on, like this is, you know, just the beauty of it, of what's happening in the world around us and having so much gratitude for it. And then realizing that we are this little human being on this big planet, just being here right now in this moment. Sarah, so good. So So good. Like, it is, it is. And you nailed it, you know, awe, wonder, yep. beauty, pleasure. These experiences, we love so much for themselves, but really what they allow us to do is stop, drop into our hearts, and genuinely enjoy the moment in a deep yep. way. And even more than enjoying the moment, even more than enjoying the present, it's, en- it's enjoying presence itself, our, own, our very own presence. And you nailed it. One of the other things you said, which I just loved, and gosh, this conversation could go on forever. I'm I know. Sure. We could be sitting here like at yeah. time. Sparks <laughs> going off everywhere, you know. Not too far away. Just come on over. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Hang out. Um, you know, I sometimes think, you know, to your point, like, we are just, really, we're made of stardust. You know, we're just mm-hmm. these physical beings that are made of stardust, really, literally. And um, we're sitting on this kind of, spherical like object we call planet right it's hanging in midair first of all like <laughs> hello it's hanging hello. in midair like, <laughs> yeah. literally hanging in midair i mean that just right there if that doesn't trip you out and really make you wonder you know so but it's not just that it's also spinning on its axis yep. you know? right and it's not even spinning smoothly it's kind of got a little and it's also, as it spins and hangs from midair, it's revolving around this super hot star we call sun. Mm-hmm. And that sun has been shining for millennia, okay? And it, we're just far enough from this sun, okay, to not, like, burn up, but also just close enough to not freeze, you know? Right, right. And it's just going on forever. So that same life intelligence, life force is also inside of each of us. Right. Breathing our hearts, breathing our lungs, and allowing our brain to orchestrate all of it. It's which is so incredible, which is so incredible. You know, what's interesting to me too, um, is that what, here's the other thing that I love. That's my, my dog is actually walking around here right now. So if you guys are hearing that, that's what that is. Welcome to a life of animals and dogs. I keep it real by the way. Um, what's interesting to me is that when I'm out in nature and so I saw the most epic sunset, it was the most beautiful sunset I've ever seen when I was at, um, on the John Muir trail at Evolution Lake. And I'm sitting here watching the sunset. There's a huge waterfall to the left of me that flowed, and I'm literally on a mountain, that flowed into the valley below. And I'm thinking about all these little droplets of water. This is what I go to as well. All these little droplets of water were actually came from the snow at the packs, on the snow packs, which then fell from the sky, which, I mean, if you think about like the amazingness of it, and all of those droplets had to come together at that moment 
to wash down that waterfall that then I was so honored and grateful to watch happen and to watch them flow down into the valley below and have the fish that I just watched try to actually swim upstream into the water. And I'm sitting there like, life is so amazing. It's so freaking amazing. And what's more cool about it, and I'm going to then stop for a moment, and, and uh, what's more cool about it is that had I not have gone to that space, and this is where I also wanted to want, I'm curious about this with you, had I not gone to that space to witness the wonder and the amazement, that is what actually allowed me to step out of my trauma in my life and for me to say, you know what, I, I want to get to this ultimate place of peace and forgiveness for self and for others. That's where I'm like, there's so much beauty in this world, right? And that's like stepping out of that space to actually witness, but not only witness, to, but actually to be with it. To participate in it. And yeah. as you're always participating in it, whether you are aware of it or not. You, you totally right. nailed it, right? It, there's no question, it's, it, it's unfathomable. And then in, in, in that, that same breath, you can then ask yourself little things like, and I'm worried about the rent. Right, or, right, you know, yes. I'm worried, I'm worried about how this situation over here is gonna work out in the little soap opera that I call my life. At the same time, that this same life force, life intelligence is out there hanging the earth on nothing and it goes on for infinity. Right. You know, there's no end to the you know, universe. This is like right. A, it's like, and I'm sitting here confused, worried, upset, and trying and thinking that I can or need to plan for every little detail of my life when it's just all unfolding in miraculous ways. Yeah. And I think that goes back to um, a podcast episode that I did with somebody um, a while back and it was about trust. And the whole podcast episode was just simply about trusting and trusting that where I'm at right now, first of all, the body that I was given was given to me for a reason, right? The way that I'm living my life, unfolding my life, there's reasons for it. And not, it's not about things happening to me, but it's a constant reflection of, okay, where is my learning in this? Where am I growing deeper in this? Um, I'm not just a shell of a human being. I'm a heart and a soul. And so it always goes back to that too. Just tr And trusting yourself, trusting your intuition, trusting who you are. You nailed it. And, and that's part of the, you know, it, it can be frustrating when you're in the heat of the moment. Yeah. When life disappoints you, when people disappoint you, of course, we get focused on the disappointment. But the truth is, that's often the greatest gift you could possibly be given because it leads you right back to the very source of your experience and the very source of whatever it is that you're wanting, which is yourself. It leads you back to yourself. The, the worst thing that can happen to any of us in our lives is that everything goes perfectly according to plan. Mm. It's the worst thing that can happen because it leads you, it trains you away from the very source of contentment and satisfaction and fulfillment and happiness that's within yourself, right? And so, you know, I used to have a real problem, for instance, with people pleasing, and I wanted people to trust me. And then I realized the great disservice that was doing to them and to me, because it was teaching through my living, shining example, that they should depend on me for their happiness, and I should depend on my, them for mine, when that was just so backwards and inside out, or outside in, I should say. Yeah. And uh, so you're right, you know, and, and in that, of course, is, is forgiveness and self-forgiveness and true trust. Mm -hmm. which is trusting something deeper that can't always be judged or ever be judged simply based on appearances. Right. Thank you for your truth and honesty.
with all of this and sharing that with us, because I know there's a lot of people out there that have had those moments of, do I even want to be here? You know? Oh, I, I, I thank you so much for offering and holding space for me to share it. Yeah. So um, how did that now affect you going forward into your life as an adult? Yeah. So boy, in every, in every way, I, the, the, the most important thing it did was it, really forced me to prioritize happiness above all else. I simply said, I am going to live blissfully or I'm not going to live at all. It was like very life and death for me, quite literally and figuratively. So when something's life or death for you, you tend to get pretty good pretty quickly. That doesn't mean it's not a rough, rough going, but you know, and there are plenty of desperate moments, but you're kind of like, nope, I'm cracking the code on this, yeah. you know, one way or another. And, I was smart enough to know that I wasn't the smartest person in the world. So I leaned heavily on other authors, other teachers. I would ask everyday people, like, you know, if I, they seemed really happy, I'd say, what, what's your secret? You know, why are you so happy? What is it, you know? And um, I learned so much. And so much of that learning also um, mostly is just a reminder, right? So that's, we all know these things. It's not like, you know, we're sharing a whole lot of new stuff, but what is new is applying it consistently, right? So eventually that was led to positive psychology and I did the program at Penn, they have a master's of applied positive psychology, which is really the study in science of happiness mm -hmm. and success and how they intersect. Um, and then I just, I mean, I'm an avid reader and uh, I like to study life. Yeah, yeah. And so tell us a little bit about what you do today. Yeah, so today I work as a, Yes, yes. Today I work as a positive psychology expert I'm really a happiness coach. I help people achieve um, increasingly, I guess, authentic and effortless success um, by applying positive psychology principles. Really, it's about prioritizing happiness deeply and truly. And then what we find is happy people, if you can get happy with all, all the stuff you want, you find that you get all the stuff you want in a much easier, more efficient, more effect effective, and more enjoyable fashion. So a lot of people have a tr trouble with that because they feel like they have to just chase the success and then they'll be happy. But I always say that's putting the cart before the, ho the horse, obviously. Yeah. 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 Right. That always, I, that just always makes me cringe when I hear that. It's just, I need to get there. I have to get there. Like, that's where I, I'm like, you're missing the, you're missing so much beauty along the way and the happiness that's actually being brought to you. You're missing the journey. And so, yeah, it's important to have goals. I love goals. Goals are amazing. Um, but let's not forget about living an intentional life along the way while we're also pursuing those goals because you, what are you going to miss out on all the possibilities, you guys? You nailed it. I mean, if you think about it, think about the greatest goals you've had and think about how much time exists between when you set that goal and then when you achieve that goal. Most of the time is spent working really long and hard to achieve that goal. And if you're miserable yeah. along the way and you're only happy for the hour or the few days when you've achieved the goal, before you set another goal that's an even higher or bigger mountain, you're gonna spend your entire life basically miserable with these right. little tiny moments of pleasure sprinkled in. And I think that's a mediocre life. I think you deserve better than that. It's, you know, I'm gonna use this as an analogy. So I used to be a big marathon runner, an ultra marathon runner. And I had a woman say to me once, she said, you always have so much fun on your marathons and on your ultra marathons. And I always do. Like, I just love running them. But here's the difference. 
And this is what I told her. I said, you have to lift your eyes from your feet and see the beauty in the actual running experience along the way. Because when you're not doing that, you're literally just watching your feet go one foot in front of the other, which is, okay, great. Now you know where you're going. Don't trip. But the tripping is okay too. You know, this is like very metaphorical of life too. The tripping's okay. In order to lift our eyes to see things, we're also taking risks and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Love and that. stop. And how about if you just stop? I mean, I, I don't want to suffer. And so, you know, I would walk a little. I was like, I'd walk uphill. I don't want to suffer along the way. Why do we want to do that? So just stop for a little bit. It's okay. I just love you saying that so much, Sarah. And I mean, spoken like um, the athlete and the professional you are. I mean, I didn't and haven't run marathons, but I used to be a cross-country runner. It's mm. something my dad kind of forced me into doing because he thought it would be good for me. Turns out he was right. Uh, <laughs> usually are. Okay? And, uh, yeah. I was convinced I was going to be the worst cross-country runner ever. And it turned out I was really good at cross-country running. Part of it was because the more effort I put on, the better I got. That doesn't right. always work with everything in life, you know. But with cross-country running, it did. And I discovered and learned so much through sports and through cross-country, especially it's a great metaphor. You know, running is a great metaphor for life. I remember a story about Roger Bannister. He was the guy that broke the four, who first broke the four-minute mile, right? Mm -hmm. Mile in under four minutes for the first time ever. Before he did that, everyone thought for sure you would die if you broke. They used to have ambulances around. They would have, you know, they'd be prepared for you yeah. to die. So every time somebody would try it, it was a big scene. So anyway, he broke the four-minute mile, and then after him, a lot of people did right away you know, because it was really just a self-imposed limitation. Um, for the most part, but he broke the four minute mile. They asked him, Roger, what's the secret to running fast? How'd you do this? And he said, you know, the secret to running fast is to simply relax. Yes. It, it, oh, amen. Right? Oh. It's key. It's absolute key. And it's hard for, you have to really put that into practice because most of us think right away, how do you relax if you're running super fast or trying super hard? But you can, you can relax deeply on the inside and can even relax your muscles and you're going to move a lot more quickly than if you're strained the whole time and stressed out the whole time and anxious the whole time and you're not taking in the beauty of the experience itself. Totally. Well, so in my healing journey and in what I practice today and share with my clients is exactly that. Stop thinking about what has to get done next. And I write about that in my book and it's one of the most important things that I learned was I can't, it took for me in my trot from what happened to me, we were married for 17 years, it took 17 years to get to this place. I'm not going to get out of it in five minutes. And so allowing myself to just be present and realize that I can't fix. First of all, I, two people, one person cannot fix what it takes two people to work on anyhow. Right. So that aside, detaching aside is big. But then also just being able to, in that process, to understand myself more and attach to who I am, that was going to take some time. And so you, you can't, that whole thought process on, well, now I have to get this done and I have to try, check this off and that to-do list, right? Like, now I need to do this. Now I need to, I just, okay, wait, it, it will all happen. Just relax. <laughs> it will all happen. And the more you relax, the more quickly it will happen. One of my favorite expressions is. Uh huh. Right? I want you to say that one more time. Will you please yeah. say that one more time? And yeah. Listen, write this down. Yeah. The more you relax, the more quickly it all happens. Yeah. You know, like it's, there are two expressions. One is 
infinite patience produces immediate results. It's a course in miracles quote. And I never liked the idea of patience because <laughs> I'm kind of type A, you know, and I want to have accomplished whatever I want to accomplish. I wish I accomplished it yesterday kind of thing. Right. But I discovered that, you know, presence is a better word for patience. And another word for presence is just deep enjoyment, even relaxation. If you can deeply enjoy and relax in the present moment, in your presence itself, it produces immediate results. Because first of all, the reason we want to achieve, accomplish, or acquire anything in the world is simply to feel, or we think we'll feel better for it. I mean, that's really what we're after. We're after that feeling. You can have that feeling, boom, okay, right away. And when you have that feeling, when you feel better, you start doing better right away. Feel better, you do better. And yeah. so that's a hard thing to convince most of us about because most of us have been raised with this idea, sort of no pain, no gain. It doesn't mean that you don't want to put in hard work or put in energy or invest your time and resources, but it does mean you don't have to suffer your way to happiness. You don't have to suffer your way to success. There is another path, and I promise thousands of time-tested, face-valid, empirical studies that have been done to prove that that's true. You can find success through relaxing. Yeah, well, it's that whole being and doing like that whole balance thing. And a lot of it is because we have, you're right, like society has told us, well, I mean, think of it this way. We don't even, like, we can just pick up our phone and ask Siri for an answer, right? And so, like, everything is at our fingertips. But that also means our frontal lobe is going on all the time. We're constantly in, in, in that frontal lobe state, which is not healthy because we're not meant to be like that. We were not created to be like that, to do like that, I should say. And so being able to find that, um, that Zen state, I'm going to just call it that peace that you had experienced. That's where our, and I'm just going to go a little sciencey here. That's where the cerebellum part of our brain rises, right? And that's where we actually slow, which is really beautiful. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it's, uh, the slower you go, the faster you arrive, the faster you go, the slower you often arrive. When you slow down and don't go at all, you arrive instantly. Right. And so that doesn't mean that you can't move your body. It doesn't mean you can't do things with your hands, but you on the inside, it's like a great fighter. Like the great fighters, you know, they very rarely fight angry, right? And, and for them, it's, it's a slow thing, you know? It's like, that doesn't mean their hands aren't moving super fast. But when you're beginning and starting out with anything, if you can move a little more slowly, have a little more fun doing it, enjoy it more deeply, relax on the inside, rest on the inside, pick your mind when you're doing what you're doing, you find that, because you're enjoying it, you stick with it, you get better more quickly, everything seems to work in rhythm together. It's like dancing. Yeah. It's very difficult to be a great dancer and life is nothing but a dance. Yeah. It's hard to be a great dancer if you're stressed and anxious and you're in your prefrontal cortex the entire time. Yeah, that's so, so good. So good and juicy, I love it. Okay, so give us a very interesting um, story of you and your life. I, I'm totally being called to ask you this because I know that there's something there that you're, I would love to know. <laughs> I don't know what it is, though, because so you're holding on to it. So. Yeah, so I was, there's so many things. So there's a couple things. Um, you know, one thing is I want to be a professional basketball player, okay? And part of yeah, I mean, I, so I don't know if you saw the last dance with Michael Jordan, Chicago Bulls, but, like, I've watched it way too many times, Sarah. Ah. You know? And uh, if I have an addiction, it's probably that right now. And, um, you know, I was always fascinated by him because he had such – charisma he was of course a star athlete I would argue the greatest you know basketball player of all time and I wanted to be a professional basketball player more than I wanted anything I used to practice until my hands bled okay and wow. yeah and I was a really great basketball player I was really skilled but 
I had no confidence and mm -hmm. nothing about relaxing, nothing. And I was convinced that to relax was to fail, period. Yeah. So over time, got to my senior year, and that's the big year where you want to start to attract scholarships. Ideally, you do it before that. And I got pneumonia for nine months. And nine months, you know, and I had never, I'd never predicted that. I mean, and it was the most frustrating experience because my entire identity was really in being a professional basketball player. It's all I really wanted. So I was convinced that was going to be the end of me, you know, um, in addition to me hating myself already and feeling like I was experiencing this existential angst, like what's all, what's life for anyway? Basketball was kind of my like last real, I guess, hope. So when that didn't work out and I didn't get a college scholarship, I got small offers, but nothing crazy. That's what I, it led me to becoming suicidal. But what's wild is I look back now over 27 years. And I just think about how I was saved by not going that path. Because deep inside, even as young as 13, I was always interested in psychology and spirituality. I mean, the very first book I read that I felt like started to turn the, help me turn the corner, it just planted the seed. But it was like I was 13, it was psycho-cybernetics. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, and I look back now and I, I reread it just because I wanted to like, what did I love about that book? And I realized everything I teach and talk about, it's kind of like a lot of it's in that book. Dude, and I just think, thank God that didn't happen. Thank God that I didn't turn out to be a professional basketball player. I didn't go that path because I feel like my life now is so much more rewarding. It's so much deeper. And that doesn't mean that it wouldn't have been as a professional athlete, but I don't think I would have accessed the depths in the way that I have now as a result of not having the opportunity to do what I thought I wanted to do. So all that being said, I guess I've learned along the way to be careful what you pray for and mm -hmm. to be careful what you, you seek and resist and that life itself has a bigger, better plan for you. As cliche as that sounds, it is true. Mm -hmm. it's, you brought something up <clears throat> that I am going to encourage those who are listening to tap into. What are the things that you loved when you were a child? Um, I always talk to people about bringing that childlike sense within you. There are iterations of us and the child is the person within us that is constantly exploring, learning and growing. And when we look back in our life, most of what we learned where we're at today, you go back to there, like go back to those moments because that's tap into the things that you loved when you were a kid because you weren't afraid to love anything when you were a kid. Who, I mean, most of us, I should say, right? Like we weren't afraid to love stuff. In mine, when I was writing the book, that's when I felt my first peace moment. I remember it. I was 12 years old. And I, and I, was, I remember being underneath a street lamp at the bottom of my hill. It was winter. And I looked up and I watched snowflakes. And I just stood, just stood there and I, was, I felt like the earth stopped. Now, thank God it didn't. <laughs> We're going back to that. But I, and I remember standing underneath the streetlight and just watching every little snowflake and thinking to myself, like these, there's billions and billions and billions of snowflakes falling from the sky right now. This is the coolest thing ever. And I'm the only one here witnessing it. There wasn't, I grew up in a very, very small town. There wasn't anybody there. And I just stood there looking around like, this is so magical. And that was it. That was my, that, that right there. That was the, that was the start of it all. And I go back to that moment now. Um, and I, and I tap into that because I can remember, I can go back there right now as I'm talking to you because it was so beautiful. It was just so magical.
I love you sharing that with us. I call those happiness islands, you know, mm -hmm. and happiness islands are those things, activities, people, places that make you just feel tapped into and didn't turned on for no good reason other yeah. than it sparks something within you. And revisiting your happiness islands is really important, you know, and it's helpful too because that childlike, I'll call it faith, curiosity, present moment-minded kind of approach to life, I mean, everything's there, right? I mean, the joy is there, the excitement is there, the inspiration is there, the love is there. You know, it's all there. And when I've been clear about that, when I've remained curious about that, sometimes I'm led to other ways to sort of enjoy or experience that same thing. So for instance, now, of course, you know, I'm not gonna play professional basketball, but I, but I do talk about it. I do, my brother is a basketball coach, and it's interesting how that deep curiosity and reconnecting with that allows me to connect with him in ways that I would never imagine and allows me to experience life through a different lens, right, for a while. And that is super life-affirming and interesting, and it brings some of the juice back to life, I think. Yeah, I think that we don't tap into our child within us enough, quite frankly. I'm a very curious person. Um, I'm curious just about everything, people's stories, who they are. I'll stand in the middle of the supermarket and in the grocery store and I'll be like, I wonder what's going on in their mind and heart right now. <laughs> I wonder what's happening with them and how they woke up this morning. I mean, I'm just a curious human being. Um, and I think that living from that curiosity also leads us to our biggest life possibilities, but also that's where we can heal and transform our life and transform our stories and realize that there's just so much there's so much goodness out there. There's so many freaking good people. You know, it's kind of like being in the dating world and everybody says, oh, all men suck. And I'm like, what, what planet are you on? <laughs> because you were betrayed by one doesn't mean they're all going to betray you. And so like get a little bit more curious about your life and who is in it and who, like where you want to be and how you want to be in your own existence. It's wild the ways in which we argue for our own limitations. I mean, it's mind blowing. It's my, it's like, you know, and at some, at some point in my happiness journey, I was like, came to that realization over and over again, where it was like, you know, I started looking around me and being just so overwhelmed by the people that I would meet and what they had accomplished or what they knew or the beauty that would come, you know, and that it was the curiosity that led to that though. Cause I was always committed to saying this person knows something probably a whole bunch of stuff that I don't know and I'm going to find it, you know, or this person has beauty in a pocket somewhere and I'm going to find it, you know, but it was a selfish thing. I think ultimately it was a selfish thing. I like, I just wanted to enjoy my life more and I didn't want to let anybody or anything get in the way of that. Even for one right. moment, I'm like, no, I don't care what's happening in this moment. I'm finding some way to enjoy it, you know? So, um, but it's interesting. You're right. Like, we impose all these limitations on ourselves and then we spend our lives trying to overcome these self-imposed, imaginary, illusory, erroneous limitations. And then we ask ourselves, why isn't our life better? It's why like, isn't our life better? Well, because you're arguing for what you don't want. <laughs> like, why, why are you doing that? Totally. <laughs> and it's, I know I can feel it. People are going to be laughing right now. Like, that's so true. Yeah. <laughs> we do. We make an argument for what we don't want in our life, which then we accept it into our life. Why do you want that? Exactly. Like, and the, the simplest way I put it sometimes, and I had to remind myself of two things. One is, you know, 
you, you can never be happy by focusing on unhappy things. Okay. Right. Or by focusing on happy things in an unhappy way. Like you can't, it's just impossible. It's physically impossible. It's like, and you can't be in love by focusing on what you don't love about people. You can't enjoy life by focusing on what you don't enjoy about life. It's impossible. It's, it's physically Thank impossible. You. Thank you. You know, and actually I, I was writing something today and people have asked me like, how can you stand next to the people that have hurt you most? And how can you be okay with that? Like, how can you, I'm not, understand something. I'm not accepting what happened. I mean, I'm not accepting their, you know, what they did. I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm not, I'm not condoning it. What I am doing is choosing to see the light that is within each, and like literally every single one of us. I'm going to ask you that question because there are people that argue with me on this. Okay. And this is my viewpoint on life and how I've actually gotten to where I am. I believe that every single person on this world, on this earth, has a light within them, has goodness within them. I don't believe that there are people walking this earth that are complete darkness. Um, and I will, I will leave this earth knowing, like knowing like I know, like I know, like I've said, that for me, that I've never looked at a human being and seen ultimate darkness. Never. There is, and I can, and I see a lot of human beings. I mean, I can see through them, right? Like not through them, but you know what I mean? I can tap into them. There is not one person where I have been like, whoa, you are ultimate darkness. Now here's the thing. I don't care how small that little speck is. doesn't matter. It could be like a little firefly, but it's still in them. So when I'm standing next to the people that have hurt me most, I choose to see the firefly that's within them. That's maybe dimming rather than all the darkness that has been created. So what about you? Well, <laughs> I well, want to well, know what well, you think. I'm, you know, I'm all the way bought in on that. And I, I would agree with you. And I would even take it further. And I would say that the true you is pure light, only light, nothing but light. Yes, okay? absolutely. And, 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 and if you see any shadows or darkness, that's always proof that the light is there, right? Like the, the, there can be. So, so and you're right also like i've made it my intention to focus exclusively on the light that doesn't mean i don't lock my doors right it doesn't mean okay but 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 i'm selfish and i like feeling good and i'm a bit of a hedonist so it's like if i can focus on the best of you because it makes me i don't trust me i don't like i'm not going to claim that you know take that moral high road like i'm doing it for you okay great you're getting oh, of course not yeah right no i agree i'm doing it for me i like yeah. feeling good and i've also noticed that when i feel good it's easier for me to see only the light and to focus on only the light. I'm also a more generous person, a more charitable person, I'm a kinder person, I'm easier to get along with. You're easier to get along with for me. So it starts with me, I focus on the light. I've discovered that when I'm deeply, truly dialed into who I am at the deepest level, I see only light, right? And it doesn't mean that, again, you know, I leave all my doors unlocked and I let people who have taken advantage of me over and over again to keep doing it. Right. You know, like another way to put it is that I think it's true. Like everybody that enters your life comes bringing a, you know, bearing a gift. I mean, yep. no question about it. Yep. And the most difficult people in my life have been the greatest personal trainers for unconditional happiness and unconditional love and unconditional peace ever. I mean, no question about it. They've been personal trainers for me. Yeah. Um, I always, 
say, you know, thank you. Like to the people that have hurt me, I'm like, thank you. Because not that I want to get hurt, but that's where I have learned so much more deeply about who I am. I wouldn't be here today doing this, having this conversation with you if I didn't go through the experiences that I did. So honor that. And it's when you talk about, we are all light. I a hundred percent agree with you. I think that, um, you know, there are, it's that choice every day of what do you want to feed? And so how do you want to live and be in existence in this world? And I always choose to go into the direction of, you know, I just messaged one of my clients this morning. I said, just remember you're, you're exiting in a marriage, you're exiting a marriage. You are entering an entirely new life for yourself. So that detaching from that person who you once were, but also from your now soon to be ex-husband, you get to step into your own full integrity, light, love, all the things that you actually want to be and haven't had the opportunity to bring in. And so it's just like, what a, what a gift. What a oh, gift. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. No question about it. Um, I mean, each of us literally are the light of the world. Literally. You know, um, I remember once I visited this dentist's office and I, I, I looked, he had a little plaque above like the door and it said, you know, everyone brings happiness into this office. Someone they enter and someone they exit. <laughs> and I thought that was perfect because if you can't, you know, if not, none of this, none of this other stuff makes sense. That will make sense to most people. And it's the only question is, are you focusing on the darkness or you're focusing on the light? Yeah. And it's so easy to project our own inability to see our own light onto other people and say, oh, because I only see darkness within me, I see darkness you know, within them or in the world. But when you really see the darkness or the light within yourself or experience yourself as that light, when you look out in the world, you project that light onto everything else as well, right? You see it everywhere. So, so much of it is just you know, coming to a recognition and realization that no matter what it is you've done or haven't done in your life, at the core of you is nothing but pure love and pure light. Mm -hmm. Be aware. I love this. Um, and I think that that's a perfect space to, to stop. And cause we're going to have to pick this up again another time. Definitely. <laughs> you, and I, you and I are definitely going to be doing that. Um, there, I have so many like questions outside of this for you. And uh, I want you to tell us a little bit about your book, please. And um, just speak about, how you can be there for others and where they can find you and all of the good juicy stuff as well. Totally. So um, you can find happiness from the inside out everywhere. Great books are sold, including Amazon and Barnes and Noble. You can also find me online at coachrobmack.com, and you can find me on all social media platforms, most notably Instagram, <laughs> Rob Mack official, M-A-C-K official or positive.psychology.expert. You are uh, an ultimate gift to this world, by the way. Oh my you, gosh. You were such a gift. I, I have so much and I, I said this, like I have so much I want to ask you. Um, it's just so fun. I think that's what's so fun about this is just meeting new people as well and getting, you know, creating the connection with others that, um, that ultimately are putting good into the world and you're doing that. So thank you. Thank you so much for saying that. Fully received that. I had to work on that in my life. And yeah, I wonder, me too. That's where I'm yeah. at now. I'm all about receiving. This has been my my year of just receiving. 2020, oh, yeah. 2021. Learning Stay to receive. Wide open. Learning right. to receive. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I want to reflect that back to you, Sarah. You are such 
an incredible and impeccable person and human being. And I so respect you and I admire you and I'm inspired by you. Thank you so much for the work you do. And thank you so much just for making time for me and being so especially kind to me. It means the world. And I mean that. Thank you. you. I receive. Thank you. (laughs) That's a practice I actually teach my clients. Anybody out there is at this space. By the way, you work on this. I work on this. We continuously work on this. People who look at us and they're like, well, how would you just get to that? Um, We do this all the time, you guys. (laughs) Uh, It's a continual daily process. It's a really good practice, though, just simply to say, thank you, I receive. When somebody gives you a compliment, because there's so many times that we want to brush it off, right? And don't push away what you want to come in. You nailed it. And what's interesting is we often think we're by deflecting or deferring or whatever we do to kind of defend ourselves against this Mm -hmm. gift, this compliment, that somehow the person who's giving you that compliment is benefited, but you're not, they're not benefited. It's like, there's nothing better than giving someone a gift from your heart and having them receive it. Mm-hmm. And so we all know that we've all been on the other side of that where we give someone a compliment and we mean it and they can't receive it. And there's nothing worse than that. And you start to think, well, maybe I, you know, you don't think right away that you're wrong, but you think, well, maybe I just keep and hold on to that for now. And I won't share that. They don't, maybe it made them uncomfortable or whatever. And so you give yourself a gift by receiving, but you also give the other person, the gift giver, the, co- the person who's giving the compliment a gift. I bet you hug really hard, don't you? <laughs> I do, actually. That's my love language. That is my love language. Do you? I'm a, oh, I am, a, I am a long hugger and a hard hugger and a bring it in hugger. Yes. I love that. I love hugging. People Please. laugh. They're just like, you just are like the longest hugger. Yeah, I want our hearts to beat together. Why not? Oh, gosh. Please bookmark at least one. For me, okay? I'm probably going to ask for more, but that's great. thousand percent. We will absolutely be hugging it out. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's my love language. That and words of affirmation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's love beautiful. You're amazing. I'm so thrilled to have had you on. Um, and we will be continuing this. I have thoughts. So please hold. Do not jump off from me, okay? Not All yet. Right. Um, I want to talk to you. Um and to everybody else, grab your journal. And there were so many key takeaways in this. And go back in and listen to it and write them down. Um, post note, like put post-it notes all over your kitchen and everything. Like those are they, they're amazing little nuggets in here. So thank you for those. Thank you. All right. Friends, thank you for listening to the Live Boldly podcast. I am grateful to have you here, and I would love to invite you over to sarahsholtoncrans.com to grab my free seven steps to a joy-filled life. I share these seven steps from my own heart, soul, and experience. These steps transformed my own life from victim to survivor. Also, please, let's all be a ripple effect of change in today's world. I ask of you to please share this podcast with others that may need to be inspired or who need to hear from others going through where they are right now. To grow this podcast, please leave an iTunes review, go to my Instagram or Facebook page, and let me know what you think. I love hearing from each and one of you. I love sharing your thoughts, messages, and inspiring words. Because we are not alone in this world, friends. Let's keep the ripple moving. It begins with each one of us. I love you and have a great remainder of your day.